What's up, Dialed fam? Thanks for listening to the Dialed Health Show. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com. And today we're diving into Why Rides Episode 2, which by the way, is out now on YouTube as of 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So go and check out the video. What you're about to hear is a little behind the scenes of this 100-mile mountain bike ride I did through Los Angeles that had over 14,000 feet of vert. After I give you my rundown on the ride profile, some specifics that I experienced, we're going to talk to Pete Moyer, who is our support driver and the one who actually got Brady, who documented the entire thing from spot to spot. And his insight is really cool because you get a real behind the scenes look at what it takes to capture a ride like this. And the logistics to make it happen are more complex than you would almost imagine. At least it was for us, as you'll find out in this conversation. He also brings up some really funny moments and Talking to him about the ride kind of reminds me of just sitting down talking about it with anyone. So if you want to hear about this ride from a pure casual standpoint, almost like we're sitting down having a drink together, this is pretty much how the conversation would go. After discussing the Y rides, we're going to dive into the topic of burnout and compare it to overtraining. What are the signs and symptoms of each one in particular? And what can you do to go and address it if you're feeling some of these symptoms? This topic actually came from a member who sent in some specifics about what they've been going through, and I did my best to answer them to not only answer his question in particular, but to make sure that anyone else who is dealing with it could have an action plan themselves. And I will warn you on this episode, I'm a little bit nasally. I'm nasally. I came back from a crazy month of events. I just felt a little worn out. But of course, at the same time, all my kids had stuffy, runny noses. They're sneezing all over the place. I'm wondering if it's allergies. Then pretty soon you know, my whole house is just going through boxes of tissues left and right. And I'm still dealing with it. So bear with me on the nasaliness of my voice. And hopefully the content overpowers it and it makes it worth it to listen to this (laughs) stuffed up, congested nose. So without Without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Why Rides, episode two, Southern California mountain bikes. This was a monster ride, and I want to give you sort of the layout, the ride profile, and how it felt from my perspective, the highs and the lows throughout the day. We'll cover it briefly, and then we're going to go into a conversation with Pete Moyer, who was our support crew driver. And he got Brady around, who was documenting the entire thing. And to hear about what they dealt with on the back end of the logistics... And sort of their perspective not being on the bike was really interesting. So we'll jump in that to that in a second, but let me give you the ride profile and the stats from the day. So this went down on March 19th, pretty recent. It's been within the last couple of months. And the total distance was 100 miles. The total elevation was 14,400 feet with a moving time of nine hours, 21 minutes, and 27 seconds. It was 5,500 kilojoules in regards to the total workload. And we had a TSS score of 410. So you could see it's just a monster day on the bike. And even with that in front of me, I felt very confident coming into it that we were going to do it. And I was joined by a couple buddies who lived down there and basically built this route, hosted us. We slept at their house and start and finished at their house. And this was Blake, Tanner, and Trevor who all PR their vert and their distance on this day. Actually, I think maybe Trevor just PR'd vert, but not distance, but everyone hit PRs, which was the coolest thing. And I knew that they were going to all start the ride with me and potentially not end it with me. But the best part about it was that they were down to just go as long as they could. And I love that mentality. So it was really good energy coming into the day. People were ready to work and push themselves. And I don't think it could have started really any smoother. We hit the trail about 630 in the morning, right before sunrise. And because Pete was doing our support drive 
Because Pete was our support driver, we met him at the top of the first climb to pass off our lights. Uh, we, we didn't restock on food at that time, but having the support aid and kind of rolling with us, at least from our perspective, was awesome because we got to focus on really riding and not as many logistics at that point. But I did learn, and this was just a reminder, but when you're trying to document a day like this, there is so much more than just the ride itself. Even though we had aid, and this isn't me trying to make it sound harder than it needs to, but the truth is to think about the logistics, to stop for a photo or the video, and to make sure everyone is somewhat organized, it adds a whole other layer of work, which I will say takes away from the fun factor a little bit. That's just the honest truth. Like It starts to feel like work a little bit because you do have this end goal of coming out with a really good piece of content. And I know as the person who's kind of leading it that that is the ultimate goal. As much as I just want to enjoy this ride, we have to walk away with something that's valuable for the business. And thankfully, you know, people were on board for that. I just understood that it was going to be, th there's more to think about. You're not just out there free riding all day, just ripping till the sun goes down. It's not quite like that, but it is still pretty dang fun, especially when the morale is high with the crew. Because even when people started cracking later on in the day, no one was really in a bad mood. In fact, we'll talk about that when I connect with Pete on the second half of this recap. And we'll talk about how the energy stayed high that way. But I want to tell you, I guess, maybe what the what the route looked like from my perspective uh, before we go into that conversation. So I gave you the total ride stats. And I should say that we started and finished in Simi Valley. And this route was 100% legal, which was an endeavor to build something this big, not only something this big, but a loop this big, because we all know, you know, sometimes the best trails are not the most squeaky clean trails. Sometimes they're for sure illegal and sometimes you don't really know. And you may, I don't, I don't know, do you ask? <laughs> not all the time. It's more like, you know, you ask for forgiveness later kind of situation. But I'm not going to be out here promoting what I know is like an illegal something. Uh, it's not a good look for the brand. It kind of puts everyone on blast. So having it 100% legal for sure made us end up on more of a fire road than I would have but then we probably would have initially. But what's so cool about this route is that it got better as the day went on. Like literally the single track that we went on throughout the day became more frequent and it just became better and better and better. And it was it was a really nice way to do the ride because I think as your fatigue set in and as the stoke started falling, the trails got better and better and it naturally balanced itself out. And so to give you an idea navigationally, we started in Simi Valley from Blake's house and then we went north and spent a lot of time on some fire road doing a couple transfers. We had a couple cool single track sections. In fact, we even climbed through this one riverbed, which was some tough miles, a place where you absolutely wanted to be on a mountain bike. You're just riding over big baby heads in this little crevice between two hills. And we were rolling through that, but it felt like a lot of traversing before we got to the first real piece of downhill single track. It was on this peaky little summit mountain that was called Rattlesnake. And we climbed up to the top. We met up with the film crew who had taken their e-bikes to get there. They're shooting drone footage. They're shooting video. They're shooting photo. And we're dropping into one of the raddest pieces of trail all day. No doubt. I mean, I didn't expect it to get so fun, but toward the end of this thing, piece of the trail we couldn't see from the fire road, you just started going up and down through this little crevice. I, I mean, I don't know what you would actually call it. It was basically like this little mini valley where you're coming down one hill and it's geeing out as you go up the next side. You hit a hip jump into a berm, land back on some bench cut 
single track and then repeat it for like 10 turns in a row. It was so fun. And from there, we got back into a neighborhood and we had like two and a half mile, pure flat, headwind, suburban traverse. This was going across Simi Valley and connecting us into another trail zone, which ended up being one of the bigger climbs of the day after that. It was called the Albertsons Climb. And this was a monster fire road climb. But by the time we got to the top, I can't believe the view. And I don't think most people would believe that you were in Southern California. And I'm not going to say you're in the heart of like downtown LA or anything, but just the mere fact you're in SoCal and you are in LA and you're looking around and I see, you know, there's six different ridge lines with multiple fire roads coming off of each one. You can see single track trails trickling off each one of those fire roads. And I was looking around and I'm like, this is freaking rad. And not only that, but it was high enough to get a reference point of where we were actually going because I could see the mountains that we had come from and I could see the mountains that we were going toward and they were very far away. I mean, you could almost you could just kind of see the shadow of them. And it's moments like that that puts in perspective how big of a day you're actually doing. In fact, I, I think a lot of mountain bikers, I mean, shoot, even road riders, when you get into a big enough valley and you can look across and be like, wow, I came from over there. Or shoot, I'm going this direction and it's past those mountains and that I can see off in the distance. It just, it's kind of a cool feeling. And it's that human powered experience that I guess it's empowering. I don't know. So <laughs> that was a little moment up there. And we dropped into a huge fire road descent. But once we got to the bottom of that, which it was a blast, actually, we were just drifting every corner down this whole mountain. Once we got to the bottom there, we started getting towards uh, Tanner's house, which was one of our planned pit stops. And again, perfect because he had a full mechanic set up in his garage, which we didn't end up needing too much. I think I put some chain lube on at that point, but really from, from that point forward, we were hitting so much quality single track, but even the fire roads we ended up on were cool because they were climbing through a full on canyon and they were very scenic and you just felt like you were out there. Again, almost surprisingly out there for being in Southern California. So the ride went on, I think Tanner and Trevor peeled off around the 60 mile mark or so, where I, I believe they cracked over 10K and they got like a 70 mile ride in, which is monster. And from that point forward, uh, Josh, who had linked up with us at the 20 mile mark was with me with Blake. And we crossed over into this area called Colossus. And it's, it's pretty wild because this is actually where Kobe had that fatal helicopter crash in Malibu. And so we went right past the crash site. There's a nice little memorial. And one thing that was pretty cool was that all the flowers were yellow and purple. And I'm not like a huge basketball fan. I'm not going to sit in here and say I was the biggest Kobe fan, but it was kind of surreal being like, oh, these are the colors. We're right here. Uh, there were people hiking out specifically for it. And that was kind of cool. And, and I say that as, as respectfully as possible. Uh, cool. You know what I mean? So I think it was cool because we, we get to this kind of historic little zone, but also the trail is just beautiful at that point. And we're riding this trail called Colossus, which has insane corners, little random tabletop rhythm sections, and then absolute pinner ridgeline straight downhills that would go into these punchy uphill climbs. And it was just so fun. So we get to Mulholland, which you guys know is one of the most famous drives in LA. It goes through insane real estate across these canyons. And there was one road transfer where I ended up doing it solo which also meant that I got lost for the first time, which was incredibly frustrating because I knew I'd have to go on my own at some point for this ride. But the fact that I got lost within half a mile of being solo for the first point of the ride made me feel worthless. <laughs> and when I look back though, it was one of the most confusing sections that cut, basically it was a single track that connected two parts of the road and it was just like a cut through. But I cut through this weird park recreation area and it was this very wide open zone with like soccer fields and uh, hiking trails and 
random public restrooms and uh, like museum type buildings. It, w- it was very random. And it was this huge funnel basically to get back to one single track trail that took you back up to the road. And finding it took me, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of just circling. But again, when you're wasting that much time and you're that deep into a ride, it just becomes so frustrating. So I finally found it and that pointed me back on the road and I linked up with Josh and Blake who jumped on some e-bikes to go up without a doubt the hardest climb of the day, which was getting to the top of Topanga Peak. And this fire road had recently been buffed out. It was a little bit loose. It was just steep, exposed in the sun. It was the one time all day I just felt hot. Jersey is unzipped and we're climbing for a couple thousand feet. And uh, when we got to the top, there was this lollipop loop that you'll hear me and Pete talk about in a second. I ended up getting lost on it before dropping back down and realizing the one stop I was looking forward to all day that wasn't a self-supported stop was the peddler's fork. And I wanted to get coffee so bad. There was only 10 miles left of the ride after this point. And I was like, oh, that'll be a perfect pick-me-up. Basically at that point where it's the home stretch. So give me a good coffee, give me a cookie, and I'm going to hit this home stretch of the ride. In fact, I watch Phil Guyman's videos and he stops here all the time. And that's part of the reason I wanted to stop. And the place looks so cool. We rolled up, people were at the bar, people were ordering food at the restaurant and the cafe was freaking closed. It was closed. And the guy offered me tea. He said, hey, the coffee's down. We're not running it. We don't have any of the pastries or the cookies or anything like that anymore because it's 3 p.m. But I can give you some tea. And honestly, I gave him a, a death stare. I've never been so offended at someone offering me something to eat or drink because I wanted coffee so bad. That, and I think any, any coffee drinker really knows tea, tea, like I love tea. I love tea at 9 p.m. when I'm reading a book and it's got some honey in it and I'm, I'm just relaxing. When I need a caffeine pick me up and I'm set on coffee, there's nothing more offensive than you could do uh, besides just offer me tea. So I literally, I looked at him, I was like, oh man, you don't know how bad I want coffee right now. And he just kind of, he, he didn't care. He didn't know what was going on. And I looked at everybody else. I was like, well, I'm going to grab a Rice Krispie treat from the truck. I'm going to chug a LaCroix or a Gatorade or whatever I have in the, in the cooler right now. And we're just going to keep it moving. We're going to get this thing done. And that's pretty much what we did. Super uneventful, just kind of shook it off and hit the last trail section, which funny enough, ended up being where we got the most lost for the entire day. Now, I was following the navigation at that point very specifically, and it was weird because the directions had me cutting through this random field, even though what I really should have done was just go up and around a road, but it was the road and the turn was just out of sight where I couldn't tell that's where I needed to go. The way it looped, it looked like I was going to go in the wrong direction. And I was like, it's pointing me off trail. This used to be a fire road at one point, but now it's bar high grass with these random boulders intermixed in it. And me and Josh just smashed through it because I was so fed up. I was like, nope, I am following the directions no matter what. So we make our way across this field and we're still kind of lost trying to find the next trailhead, but we ended up finding it. And the weirdest part was we're going back and forth and looping it. And the guys are back at the house. We, you know, we're only five miles away at this point. It's starting to rain very randomly. It was sunny all day. We have (laughs) weather coming down. Apparently this whole time we're circling. The guys are back at the house watching us on their, basically we, we shared our location on our phone. So they're just watching the GPS and we're going in circles. And they said they were just laughing and cracking up at us going the wrong way. (laughs) And they're just watching us scramble for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was. Josh is getting worried that his e-bike is going to run out of battery. Uh, And what's crazy about this section of the ride is we were literally right behind Kim Kardashian's house. And I know that's just like kind of a a random 
sort of lame fact, but it was also weird because you get out into these mountain zones, but you also forget that you're in LA and you're like, oh, this is such a rich neighborhood that we're around. And literally, Blake, when I got back, he's like, dude, you were circling all around right next to Kim Kardashian's backyard. And I probably, I, you know, I probably had a sniper rifle on me at that point because I looked so suspicious. I didn't even realize that till now. I can't imagine. I'm completely clapped out on my bike, just looking like a zombie riding in circles for this amount of time. They probably think I'm up to up to something. So in hindsight, probably not the best idea. It's a good thing I didn't get whacked by a sniper, but we made it back on the trail. We found our spot. And when we made it to the road, Josh's e-bike really did die. <laughs> and so he limped it back. And at that point, I knew I was going to be so close on mileage to hit 100 where I was like, you know what? I'll ride ahead and ride back and start doing a back and forth thing just to click off some more miles because it would be a shame not to get to 100. And when we ended up meeting at the house or Josh kind of caught back up to me, I ended up being at like 96.7 miles or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't let it in like this. Or maybe it was 97 and a half. I think that's what it was. It was only two and a half miles, but there was a like one third of a mile loop around this neighborhood. And I was like, okay, screw it. I'm hitting the lockouts and I'm just going to road crit this neighborhood until I click over a hundred miles. And the weirdest thing happened. So I start doing these laps around the neighborhood. It's just me at this point. I'm passing the house. Everyone's eating pizza, drinking beer, looking at me like I'm a psycho. And I'm just riding around this neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's because I kept passing the finish line on the route that we had on the GPS, but it literally my whole garment turned off at one point going past the house. I just heard it click and my screen went dark. And at that point, I'm less than a mile from finishing this thing. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me if I just lost this ride <laughs> because it doesn't count if it doesn't go on Strava. <laughs> and really, I mean, the whole story is built around this route. I'm like, I got to have proof that I did it. So I was like, there's this t- like five seconds, probably not even 10. I think five seconds of me being like, literally what just happened? Don't freak out. Let's just give it a second, take a breath. And then pretty soon my Garmin just turned back on and literally my ride popped back up, but it was paused. So I unpaused it and then it just picked up where it left off. Now, by that point, I had already done almost a complete lap around this neighborhood. So I lost a little bit of distance, but I was so grateful I didn't lose the ride. And that was that was such a heart stop moment after the day that we had, especially when I you know, took it upon myself to get that extra bit of mileage to hit a hundred. And I'm like, I just lost the ride because I was trying to do extra credit pretty much. So uh, it, thankfully that didn't happen. By the time I rolled in and was actually done, I felt, I felt good, man. And people were so cool. In fact, when I initially rolled up to the house before the road crit, they were all there, like ready to celebrate the end of the ride. Uh, and they told me like, or I told them, you know, it's not over. I got to do this. So I was looking forward to coming back and actually chilling with them. But at that time, they handed me a beer and I freaking chugged that beer in like 30 seconds before the road crit. And I think by the time I finished the road crit, it was starting to hit me because <laughs> I was getting hungry too. And it was like all at once, I just was stoked. This ride was over. We did it. Everybody was safe. Everyone PR'd. We came out and did what we set out to do. And now it was time to eat. And that's something I want to talk about because I ate a lot of food, you guys. I came in, I had Coke and pizza. And while I was eating pizza, I ordered In-N-Out Burger. And then between getting the In-N-Out Burger, like before it showed up, we made a quick run to the store. I got ice cream. I think I got some Trulies and I got some other random food for other people. But at by the end of the night, you know, we're all watching motocross and we have a crew of riders of absolute rippers over at this house hanging out. I've had a double double. I've had multiple slices of pizza. I've had 
French fries. I'm drinking Trulies. And now I am just like halfway through a pint of ice cream sitting there. And I think before I even finished it, I passed out and fell asleep on the couch at one point. And you know, that's just the that's just the bonus part that comes along with a, a big day like that. It's because you just eat your face off. And it's honestly probably the smartest thing you can do. So uh, enjoyed every second of it. And now we should dive into the behind the scenes of what it looked like from Pete's perspective. I have to give out a special thank you to Dialed Fan member Jordan, who owns Remedy Supply Co., because we both had booths at the same event this weekend, and it happened to be about 20 degrees colder than I expected it to be. I showed up in shorts, and it's 50 degrees, and it was a little overcast in the morning, and I'm cold. And he walks up to me and asked if I wanted a coffee, and I said, you better freaking believe it. He said, brown sugar latte, and I said, oh yeah. That sounds incredible. And so he comes back over with an oat milk brown sugar latte. I don't know how much brown sugar he put in it, but it was the perfect amount. It was unbelievable. So Jordan, thank you so much. I am stoked that not only we get to see each other face to face, but that I get to drink your coffee because Remedy Supply Co. has been incredible and it's been very convenient for me. Now with Remedy Coffee, you can actually go online, order your beans and select a grind. And I'm making a very big deal about that because I have recently moved to using my drip coffee pot for the majority of the time and having a ground bag of coffee showed up and it's nice and sealed for you already, but I can just pour it straight in opposed to that step of grinding my coffee with screaming children, three kids under three, that saves me enough time and adds the convenience factor to make the whole experience of drinking coffee so much better. So not only are you bringing me coffee in person, Jordan, but you're saving me a ton of time at home and also making me avoid walking into the garage while my house is sleeping at 5.30 in the morning to grind the coffee. So I'm happy I don't have to do that anymore. Thanks to Remedy Supply Co. And they're also providing a discount code for anyone listening to the podcast. So use code DIALEDFAM for 15% off site-wide at remedysupplyco.com. You can see those notes in the description. Now let's get back into the episode. Okay, Pete, we got to talk about the operations behind the scenes. Because after we went over the actual ride route itself and we had set waypoints for you guys to meet up with us, we basically went on our merry way and I just expected you guys to be there when you needed to be. So how difficult was it to not only show up to the right spot on a different route, because obviously you guys couldn't drive the mountain bike trails, but also to do it at the right time? What was the stress level like? Well, I think we back up just a sec. So you guys leave from Blake's house. And it kind of, it popped off pretty quick. We were still getting stuff loaded in the truck and it was like go time. I think, you know, the sun had just started to rise. So you guys were, or maybe it hadn't quite risen, but it was close. And so you guys hit it and Brady scrambled to catch the content when you guys rode off. And then we looked at each other like, we got to go. We didn't know where we were going yet. We were, we hadn't really had time to like really think about the driving directions we get in the truck. Mind you, when we passed past the truck, we looked in the back and it was jammed full. So we had everybody's gear, you know, aids that we were a mobile aid station and we we're obviously there to capture the the content. Yeah. We get in the truck and we realized we looked at Brady and I looked at each other 30 seconds sitting into the truck and went, dude, we the only thing we have the way to track them right now is by sharing your hotspot which we fortunately had done from the first Y ride. So we yeah. still had our group text. And from then it was 
game on. Like we <laughs> we were like a NASCAR pit crew. Like we were running <laughs> around trying to figure out where we were going. Uh, we ran into a couple closed down roads on the way up, so that that handled or you know put us a little bit behind. And we we got to the first location, and you guys arrived three two three minutes later. No we were way. We have time to set up. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I didn't know that because. We saw you at the top of the first climb right when sunrise was coming up. And it was cool because we were able to hand you our lights and we pretty much kept it moving. And for us, it seemed flawless because we rolled up to the top and you were just there. But it's so funny to know that you had just rolled up. And if you hadn't been there, we would have been like, what, what's going on? And it would have thrown us off. So from that point where we first met, we had a couple hours before getting back to Rattlesnake, which required you guys to jump on the e-bikes and actually climb to the top of this little volcano looking mountain. And that's where we met up next. So how was it then getting to that point, unloading the bikes and taking all the film equipment up to the top of that mountain? Yeah, we were kind of right back to where we had started. You guys went by, we grabbed your lights, thumbs up, vibe was hot, super stoked. Like Brady gets in the car and looks at me and goes, well, here we go. (laughs) Like it's on. We I think we made one small air in that morning. And that was, we tried to go get a couple more video footage spots, which put us behind the eight ball again, because you guys were actually moving at a pretty good clip, a little bit faster than what we had anticipated. And I don't know that it was fully worth it. But so what happened is as we're headed down the hill, everything in the back of the truck is crashing around. (laughs) So we knew we have to bungee this stuff down. So we, when we stopped to get the next footage, I jumped out and tried to find something to tie everything down with. And I couldn't find anything. So I told Brady, I'm like, Hey, we're got we got to run into a gas station and find a bungee cords or even just a rope. Well, after three stops striking out, I even asked a gardener if he had any rope on his trailer <laughs> that I could buy from. He just gave me a weird look like what the, and walked off. He didn't even respond to me. So anyway, to get to Rattlesnake, we got to Rattlesnake. We put our riding shoes on. We threw our helmets on. I had the drone in my backpack. Brady had all of his photography gear in his. And we hit it. We actually, Josh had shown up at that time. We saw Josh pull in, kind of pointed, told Josh where to meet us. And then we took off. And we got to that summit. And as we got off the bikes, and it was a pretty... You know, pretty good. Oh, thank God we had those e-bikes because we would have missed you guys. We would have missed the cool content coming up for sure. Yeah. We got there and you guys were below us. You were literally, when we got off the bikes, you guys were below us. So we had zero time. Yeah. And then, and then a little bit of chaos ensued right after that. Well, it's hilarious. Well, that's true. And I have to add, it's so funny you were that desperate to get a rope or a bungee cord or anything to stop all the equipment from sliding around the back of the truck because I had two of them sitting in one small compartment in my truck bed that you didn't check. (laughs) And we found that out the next morning when we drove off and the cooler started moving and I was like, oh, I'll just grab this bungee cord. And the look you gave me was horror dude. because you're like, dude, where was that thing all day yesterday? And so, oh, and you know, these hilarious. roads were steep. These roads were steep. You know, we were. It wasn't like we were driving around on you know city. We were up in the mountains, you know. And so every time we would descend, it would be boom into the cab, <laughs> and then we. Then every time we'd go up a hill, you'd hear it all slide back into the tailgate. Oh man! Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. And so you said the chaos ensued on top of Rattlesnake because, 
we realized on this project that we need more uh, people there to capture the content. I mean, I think Brady's probably one of the only photographers even willing to try and do drone video and photos all at the same time without slowing down the train of riding. And we found out it's pretty much impossible. And that was confirmed after he gave you one job, Pete. You had one job yeah. was to keep that drone in the air. And what yeah. happened? <laughs> well, for, first, I guess, I guess we got to say, Bra first of all, Brady's the man. Like that guy yeah. is so he's, he's uber talented behind the lens. And he's a, he's so fun to spend the day with. He's such a pleasurable guy to be around. So uh, you couldn't ask for like a better partner. And he's right. he's a great rider. He's fun to he's fun to ride with. But dude, he was scuffing hard on this one. And and yeah. like it wasn't like on the first Y ride, we were really we were all self contained in the vehicle. So we I thought it was we were pretty seamless in documenting that one. This was a lot different because of the remoteness of where we were having to get to, to capture some of the off road footage. So we're out on the right. trail, you know, out in the, the middle of nowhere, really. So we're up at the top. Brady looks at me and it is absolutely gorgeous. Like it's just yeah. endless mountain range. And, and there's a Marine layer rolling in on one side and the sun's up and the other side, it's just beautiful. And he looks at me and goes, dude, we got to get the drone up. So He's getting the drone. He's getting all of his camera gear out. And then we get it up. And I, like I said, you guys showed up as we're, this is all happening. And then there's a really, really fun descent. And you can obviously speak to that, that part of it, but oh, it yeah. drops straight off where we are. And Brady's like, hold on. And he wants to go in front. So he grabs all of his camera gear because he wants to get you guys on the descent, like, you know, a quarter of the way down or third of the way, whatever it was down. And he takes off. Well, the drone's still up in the air and he leaves everything with me. So I'm up there with the, uh, with the drone. I've never flown this thing, mind you. I'm just holding on to this a piece of it. I can hear it humming around. I don't know where it's at. And then I hear him yell, go, you guys all, you guys all send it. Boom. You're gone. 30 seconds later, Brady's like, Pete, 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 come down here. I need, I want the drone foot. I, I need the drone. So I'm like holding it. I'm like, dude, I have my backpack. I've got gear and I've got this drone mod control module in my hands and I'm supposed to ride down this like 20% grade. I'm like, I'm looking at him like what? And he's like, just throw it in your backpack. <laughs> so I threw the remote in the backpack and apparently the drone responded by flying directly towards a mountainside. <laughs> I hear this alarm going. I hear the alarm going off in the backpack. And it's, it's like the, the equivalent to like in, in aviation where you hear terrain, terrain, terrain. It's just this like beaking. And then I hear Brady screaming like the drone. And somehow it flew straight towards Brady. Well, fairly straight towards Brady. And he yeah. was able to like grab it before it hit the, well, I got the remote out. The lever had shoved all the way for, forward and was flying you know, at a downward trajectory rather rapidly. And then I had a laugh to myself, like, well, that was close. And then I looked down the hill and you guys are all a, about a couple hundred feet below Brady. And I can hear the laughing from yeah. all the way up where I'm at. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It was so funny because we stopped about halfway down the trail and because we knew we were going to reposition the cameras and we're just kind of sitting there for a second. You guys were getting it together. 
And all of a sudden we hear Brady be like, Pete, 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 just like you were saying. And we see him sprinting up the hill as fast as he could. And we see you like standing with your hands on your head, basically like what the heck is going on. And then we see him barely catch the drone. And it was hilarious, man. But to me, it was also a reminder. I was like, dude, we are operating so lean. And it's amazing that we're even able to capture what we are. But we yeah. need to change this going forward in the future because uh, it's cool when people are willing to do stuff, but there's a point where you're putting yourself in position like to crash a drone. And I think the fact yeah, that totally. went toward Brady and he was able to grab it before it just smashed into a rock was just pure luck at that point. And so yeah, we... I, and, he didn't, and he didn't lose any fingers. That too. It's right? like, <laughs> yeah. like a so, air blender. Yeah, so that, I mean, kind of puts gives it people an idea of really how much is going on behind the scenes because even when you see some of the ride footage it looks just so mellow and fun and it is at times but there's also this chaos to make it happen which i think is uh it, it's really interesting when you're trying to put something like this together and we experienced that later on in the ride where we had met up on Mulholland Drive super famous road in LA and the, the trail crossed it, but we had to go out and do this lollipop loop and come back close to the road and then drop down all the way back into suburbia. But in my head, we went back to Mulholland first and that wasn't the case. You guys were actually waiting for us like a thousand feet down in town. And so you have our waypoint and you're watching Josh and I literally just ride the wrong direction for like a mile. And we're, you know, yeah we're like 85, 80 miles into the ride at that point. And so every mile obviously counts. And we're also trying to make it to this coffee stop uh, called Peddler's Fork. And so we're at the point where it's like, okay, let's just freaking get to this coffee shop, refuel, plug out the last 10 miles and we get lost. But you guys are watching it the whole time. And we almost didn't have good enough cell service though to call each other. So what was that like watching us just flounder? Oh man, the meeting point was this little small strip mall thing with like a nail salon and we're right off the the highway or off the the road and we're at the perfect spot you cannot go past us and the time is not right like we're like he should be here soon and then it it comes and goes and then we're like we'll give a couple more minutes and then we finally got your waypoint up and as literally as you were supposed to be descending you started going the wrong way and it was it was like um we were like Brady and I are like yelling into the phone, like, no, turn around. It was like, like when you're a kid watching a horror film, like, no, don't go in there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we knew, we knew there was no turning back to because we had just watched you do it, do what you were not supposed to do and that you were going to have to come back. But also the other part of that is, is that Blake had gone ahead to pedal towards Peddler's Fork. And at this point he had switched to an e-bike, you know, and he's grinding. Well, his battery had died. Now he's already ridden like 80 miles (laughs) or whatever it was. At that point, it was like 78 miles. And I don't know how much for now he's on an e-bike with a dead battery. And he's like, Hey, well, I'm like, Hey, we'll just pick you up when we get the peddlers for it. But then he's cracked pretty good. And he's not wanting to wait around too long. And so once you guys start coming, we call this, Hey, we're on our way. And he, he calls and says, dude, I couldn't wait. I'm riding home. So he rode home <laughs> the last like three or four miles that he hadn't planned to on a dead e-bike, which was, you know, pretty, pretty classic. For all the Dialed Health podcast listeners, I mean, you know, we are the A-team, but 
it could have been it could have been probably planned a little bit better but you're right i mean yeah brady was literally doing three people's jobs there's little details to the day that could have made things way smoother like for instance just having apple carplay hooked up to your phone which we could have done oh so yeah that that would could, have been nice. yeah you could have plugged in your waypoint and you just use the navigation on the actual car instead of trying to do it on your phones while you're driving talking back and forth and those are little things that we haven't thought about logistically that we definitely will going forward and that you almost couldn't remember without the experience of it because i truly felt like in this ride we had crossed every t we dotted every i and it's not until you hit play to where you realize okay now th this is where we realize we like effed up basically so yeah. dude i gotta thank you for coming along for the ride we definitely could not have done either of these videos without you and thanks for just being willing to roll with the punches and do what it took to get the day done because i think by the time we were all back at the house having beer eating pizza it was uh, definitely that feeling that we were hoping for of just pure accomplishment. So uh, thanks again, man, for yeah. being a part of it. Oh, yeah, it was my pleasure. It was a blast. Super fun to be on the other side, too. You know, it's super enjoyable to watch people go out and chase their dreams. And I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know you're not going to say it yourself, but for everyone listening, for one, Pete is a Dialed Fan member. He's literally walking the walk and he has a history of 24 hour races in ultra marathon in mountain biking. The dude has done every endurance endeavor that you can think of. And, you know, he's going to be humble and not bring it all up, but the, the guy behind the scenes really understands the process we're going through. And I think it comes through even in the conversation about the day, because he knows like, wow, you know, maybe you did just ride cool single track, but you are also 80 miles in and I don't expect you to be in the best mood right now. And so there's those yeah. layers to it where you can tell he's experienced it. So yeah, man, that means a lot. And I'm stoked you enjoyed being on the other side. Well, yeah, thanks, Derek. I'm appreciative of the opportunity to help out. And, you know, one more shout out to Brady. He's such a rad dude. And the guy, I know, I know there's things you could do better, but sometimes that chaos, there's some special sauce mixed in, Yeah, you know, and, and he does such a fantastic job of getting what matters down. And I think it's because he's mm -hmm. a writer and he knows, and also, you know, we had a lot of conversations about what you just mentioned, like what they're going through. And, and I think that he's not just there to like kind of capture the footage. He's there to m more so almost tell a story. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's been, it was super fun. And, you know, you couldn't have had a better group, Trevor and Blake and Tanner. They were, they were super fun to be around. Their mindset was rad. It was a good group for sure. Yeah, it really was. And I know this is kind of off topic, but what you said about there being some secret sauce in the chaos is so true. Anytime Brady and I have done a photo shoot, or really I've done photo shoots with anybody, it seems like you go out with a game plan, but the best content you get was not something you planned on. You know, you have to go out with an idea of, okay, we want to hit this spot and try and get this type of shot. And sometimes it works out just like that. But there are a lot of times where you get there and the lighting's just like not quite right. Or there's other feature you didn't think about and the lighting's perfect. Or there's some other variable that makes what you intended doing not be the right thing. And some spontaneous cluster, you know what of an idea came up and you nailed it and you didn't expect it, but that was the shot of the day. So yeah, there's definitely yeah. a secret sauce in the chaos for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the off script. You know, you can't, you're going by what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. There is no script, especially for a ride like that. You In your mind, you know how it's going to, how you want it to go. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
the capturing of it is like is how it relate happens. And yeah, and then we got to see some pretty rad terrain. Um, but also, you know, I was constantly reminded like, uh, yeah, this is a big, big day. And I was actually pretty, pretty impressed with how everybody held together. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner was getting kind of cracked towards the end, which was pretty fun for me, like comical. Blake went through a moment where I'm <laughs> Blake went through a few moments, which were, which, you oh, know, I get, yeah. you got to have levity when you're, when you're um, driving a car for, you know, 12 or 13 hours. My biggest moment was when I was solo and we had split on Mulholland Drive and I got lost through this weird camping, historical recreation area. And that was when I rode in a couple circles and I was just getting so <laughs> frustrated. But you know, it's funny. I, I commend all the dudes because yeah. no matter how cracked they were, they stayed in an incredible mood the whole time. Even when, you know, I think Blake at one point was borderline delirious and he was still in a great mood. And I remember uh, before Tanner and Trevor peeled off, we got to the top of this climb and I looked over at Tanner, dude, and his eyes were all puffy, I think just from the the tall grass and the allergies, but the dude's shirt was just caked in sweat and dust and the dude looked beat and I looked at him I was like Tanner you look wrecked right now he's like oh yeah he's like I'm destroyed but he said it in such a positive way which is very rare I mean usually people and I've been like this in the past it's like as the pain comes up the attitude gets worse and worse and worse but I didn't experience that with any of those guys and I'm not just saying it so shout out to all of them because they made the day good yeah they were awesome they were total suds and by the way, we, we somehow we just forgot Josh, dude. That's like a whole separate freaking podcast because this dude's out here yeah. Oh, yeah. riding a 31, 32 pound trail bike and hanging tough, dude. Like Josh let it rip. And, and, and also another guy with like the right mindset, like just the positivity. And I think a lot of that is credit to you. Like you're, you're, it's kind of, you put this whole thing together while you had an air of, you were very focused for sure. You were enjoying yourself and it, that's true. It, it only takes one yeah. bad apple to kind of make a day like that. Not so fun. So it was, it was, it was rad. I mean, Brady and I commented on yeah. it a number of times when you guys would bail, like these guys are having fun too, you know? And it was, it was really, really, uh, definitely a whirlwind much harder than the first one, even though the first one was sneaky hard. Yeah. But I'm super excited about what Brady's got cooking. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to watch it. We haven't seen it yet, but it is live now on YouTube. So thanks again, Pete, for making it happen. And we will, uh, we'll be playing in the next one. Take care, dude. Since doing the Belgian waffle ride, I really decided to focus on becoming the best version of dialed health that I can be. And I believe that's gonna require me to be a little bit leaner and to put on a little bit more muscle. But it's important to me that I don't lose the performance and the feeling that I have on the bike so what I'm deciding to use are two things that we offer at dialedhealth.com. Number one is the Dialed Health Shred Protocol, food tracking to get my body fat down to exactly where I want it to be. Now, truthfully, I think it's going to be about six pounds that I want to lose in total with body fat. But when you track your food, you can make sure that you're fueling your performance by getting adequate carbohydrate and also making sure you're getting enough protein to maintain as much muscle as possible. In fact, the last time I did a shred, I didn't lose any muscle at all, which is very hard to do when you're losing body fat because you're in a caloric deficit. 
Now, the second thing I want to do is put on a little bit of extra muscle. Now, I haven't done more than two days per week in the gym in years, but I'm going to dedicate myself to getting a third strength session in per each week even if it's lower intensity, just to build up that volume and hopefully put on a little bit of muscle over time. So my focus first will be on losing body fat. My focus next will be on putting on a little bit of muscle, but I can start my third workouts right now. I just don't expect to put on muscle uh, for at least a couple of months. I'm gonna need some time to sit at the lower body fat, get to a point where I can take in a little bit more calories and let the effects of this third workout kind of start to spill over. Now, what you can do at dialedhealth.com if you're in a similar scenario, you're on your program, but you want to add in a little extra volume is you just tack on one of the guided workouts from the workouts tab. They're all total body and there's a lot of variety with very minimal equipment. So it's easy to add it in. It's a quick dose of another workout and it's really a way for you to test out how adding the extra workout volume could be for you. Or you could just be someone that wants to do almost the bare minimum two total body workouts per week. And you use a couple no equipment workouts from that workout tab section. And that's your whole program itself. But my point is that you can do a little bit of customization to your program as your goals change throughout the season, just like they have for me. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go to dialedhealth.com and get yourself a membership to access all of the programs, all of the workouts, and all of the nutrition guidelines. You can also send me an email to help if you have any specific questions about the process. Overtraining and burnout can kind of play hand in hand because the mental and the physical side of your body are they're really connected. But I want to separate them a little bit to help give clarity on what could be causing you the feeling of burnout or the feeling of overtraining, or maybe to just identify whether it's one or another. And this idea came from a member question that I got from Andrew Moradpour. In fact, this was a cancellation request that came in and he added a note that said, I'll be back. So I followed up and I said, like, hey, thanks for letting me know you'll be back. Can I help you with any? in the meantime. And he said, absolutely. Uh, he said, by the way, from the sessions I was able to get in, I noticed a definite change in my body mechanics and felt more strong and stable on and off the bike. So Andrew, I appreciate you adding that in there. Uh, but he said, the reason I'm putting it on pause is due to the fact that since the start of the year, I felt super burned out from a big 2021 training year. The best way to explain it, I mentally don't feel like I have the snap to perform explosive movements. The thought of doing a burpee or slamming a medicine ball is extremely daunting. I'm curious if you've ever coached someone or have personally experienced this. More recently, I've been able to stomach some light capacitive efforts that come with strength training, but just this week I had surgery on my nose to correct some breathing problems that came with a previous nose break injury. Taking this time completely off to rest up and come back stronger than ever. Any additional recovery tips would be greatly appreciated. So to answer one of your questions, yes, I have experienced this at a time uh, and it was somewhat recently, but I'm going to get into that after we talk about the general signs of overtraining and then the general signs of burnout. So let's look at overtraining. Now, disclaimer, I got some of these facts off of Wikipedia, which I say facts in quotations because we know it's not the most credible source, but I'm not really doing any groundbreaking research here. That's really just to give us an overview of sci uh, things to look for uh, in regards to overtraining and for burnout. So what are the signs of overtraining? Persistent muscle soreness, persistent fatigue, and this is different from just being tired from a hard training session. This occurs when the fatigue is after adequate rest. You know you should be recovered, but you're not yet. Uh, elevated resting heart rate, uh, persistently high heart rate after adequate rest, such as in the morning, after sleep, and that can be an indicator of overtraining as well. Reduced heart rate variability, increased susceptibility to infections, so you're just constantly getting sick. Increased incidence of injuries, you're constantly having aches or pains or getting tweaks or having some injury. 
Now, thankfully, all of those things can be tracked pretty easily now with all the wearable products that you can get through Garmin or Whoop or Aura Ring. And even if you started tracking now, because you don't have like a great baseline to compare to as to when you were really healthy and feeling good before this happened, but you can at least have some extra clarity on how well the steps that you're taking are actually positively affecting you. For instance, your sleep. Maybe you actually track your sleep and you realize, holy smokes, I'm not getting nearly enough. What can I do to change that? Or you decide to track your food to check your macros, which is something else I would also recommend doing. Now, this would be making sure that you're getting adequate protein. I highly recommend at least 0.8 grams per pound of body weight, and you could go even higher up to 1.1. I think more than that's probably unnecessary for an endurance athlete, even if you are strength training, but most people are doing under that. But if you find something wonky with your carbs or your fat as well, like one is extremely high or one is extremely low, you might actually want to check that. In fact, I recommend if you are a member to go to the journal and check out the 2022 Dialed Health Shred. That has all the protocol for our nutritional guidance. In fact, you can go to our nutrition page even as a member, use the BMR calculator to get your basal metabolic rate, find out how many calories that you need, whether you're sedentary, moderately active, or very active, it'll give you that number. And then we give you some more guidelines underneath that that you can refer to and know whether or not you are on track. And again, that's on dialedhealth.com under the nutrition tab. Now then another step for you, once you know your sleep is good, once you know your macros are good, is also checking in on your micronutrients. You know what? Hold on. I skipped one. You guys, drink some water. Are you drinking water? Dude, are you drinking water? Andrew, how much water are you drinking? Have you tracked your water? Because men, I need at least three liters of water per day, at least. Women, we need at least two liters of water. And that is clean, pure water, ideally. If it's sparkling water, that's fine. If you have some electrolytes in it, that's fine. If there's caffeine, it doesn't count. If there's sugar in it, it doesn't count. I'm not saying that both of those things don't hydrate you because that they do, but there's other things that come along with it. So just make sure you're getting in quality water. And again, it's gotta be three liters for men and at least two liters for women. This is the bare minimum. Just make sure that you're hitting it. So, well, let's get back to the micronutrients. You could take a blood test. Now, taking a blood test sometimes could be annoying if you're going in for, I don't know, to find some allergies because you'll get a laundry list of things where they're they're just telling you you're allergic to blueberries and almonds and all these things. And you're like, what? Like, are you sure? And I'm not saying that they're wrong, but these lists can be pretty extensive. I think what you're looking for are major deficiencies in something like iron, for example. In fact, Wikipedia has some facts about iron deficiency that I think should kind of give you a good explanation to why. So when loss of iron is not sufficiently compensated by intake of iron from the diet, a state of iron deficiency develops over time. When this state is uncorrected, it leads to iron deficiency anemia, a common type of anemia. Before anemia occurs, the medical condition of iron deficiency without anemia is called latent iron deficiency. Sorry, that was a little bit bland. It gets a little more exciting here. It says anemia is a condition characterized by adequate red blood cells or hemoglobin. When the body lacks sufficient amounts of iron, production of the protein hemoglobin is reduced. Hemoglobin binds to oxygen, enabling red blood cells to supply oxygenated blood throughout the body. So essentially, less iron, less oxygen flowing throughout your body. And people have experienced this when switching diets, maybe going to more of a plant-based diet, and they're not getting iron in from things like red meat. And it's led them to feel very lethargic. And I'm not just trying to pick on one person in, in particular, but that is just a general example that you see frequently. And it goes to show that there could be some type of nutrient deficiency going on in your body. And I think it's worth ha- having a look because if it's affecting you for that long, if you know that you're getting enough 
enough sleep, you're drinking enough water, you're having a very well-balanced diet of macronutrients, you're eating high-quality foods, and shoot, maybe you're even supplementing with some multivitamins or greens powders. It could be something like an iron deficiency that's taking you out. So it's worth at least checking it off the box. Again, my disclaimer is just to not be horrified that you're allergic to everything in the world based off of this blood test. So I'd go in and talk to whoever is giving you the blood test and letting them know why you were there. I'm sure they will ask, but letting them know that you've been extremely low energy will probably give them the heads up, I mean, or it should, to look for these things in particular. So those are all some signs of overtraining and some ideas that you can go through to uncover if that is the case for you. Let's talk about emotional signs and symptoms of burnout. Now, this came from helpguide.org, and this is a checklist, which I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with. It says, sense of failure or self-doubt, feeling helpless, trapped, and defeated, detachment, feeling alone in the world, loss of motivation, increasingly cynical and negative outlook, decreased satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. Now, you know what? That last one kind of hit me because that is one that I will feel when I am a little bit burnt out and we do something that is very positive and worth celebrating. And in my head, I'm just like, eh, not a big deal, whatever, move on to the next thing. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. You got to stop and embrace this good that is happening. And I, I don't know, that one just kind of resonated with me more. So uh, even though I have felt definitely all of those other things they were talking about, but they go on to talk about the difference between stress and burnout. And they say burnout may be the result of unrelenting stress, but it isn't the same as too much stress. Stress by and large involves too much, too many pressures that demand too much of you physically and mentally. However, stressed people can still imagine that if they can just get everything under control, they'll feel better. Burnout, on the other hand, is about not enough. Being burned out means feeling empty and mentally exhausted, devoid of emotion and beyond caring. People experiencing burnout often don't see any hope of positive change in their situations. If excessive stress feels like you're drowning in responsibilities, burnout is a sense of being all dried up. While you're usually aware of being under a lot of stress, you don't always notice burnout when it happens. Now that right there was pretty eye-opening for me because I think burnout and stress have in my head have gone hand in hand where I feel stressed out, there's too much going on and I'm tired and now I feel burnt. But in reality that it really is more just stress. I think burnout is almost closer to a depression where you don't feel like hope or the excitement. And I think that the way they put it is very clear right here. So you have to ask yourself, do you feel stressed or do you feel actually burnt out? And as I mentioned earlier, I have felt burnt out before. In fact, it was pretty recently and it was last fall and it was specifically about mountain biking. I just felt burnt out at, about trail riding once I had done the vert challenge. And it wasn't that in particular that burnt me out, although it probably didn't help because... <laughs> After that, I was like, dude, I don't know what else I could do on this bike because that ride was insane. I'm going to chill for a while. But really leading up to the vert challenge, I've been riding trail for so many years now and, and been so gravity focused. And once I had lost the competitive side of it, so I said this on a previous Instagram post, but I knew last year after doing a couple enduro races that I was going to be done enduro racing. And when that competitiveness went away, it also kind of just, I, I don't know, I felt like I wasn't experiencing anything new on the, on the trail bike. It was just so predictable. And so I was riding the same trails over and over again, kind of the same, just, it was just like the same thing. And I felt just kind of burnt out. Like I didn't feel excited about it. I felt kind of like, is this ever going to get better? You know, sort of like the burnout feeling. Uh, and then I hopped on an XC bike and that completely changed. It totally reignited my love for trail and just mountain biking in general. And not only did I get to ride new and different trails, but the whole riding experience was different. But what's even funnier is now that I've been on the XC bike for, shoot, it's been like six solid months of just going hard on that thing. 
I'm really getting an itch to get back on the trail bike. Like I really miss the fun that comes with it. I miss the gravity side and all those things that I sort of felt burnt out on at the time have become kind of like a, I've gotten that urge back to go and experience them. So I know from that particular instance and that specific example, uh, and, and again, it's it's pretty surface level. I know you can be burned out about your job or family or like very much more deeply emotional things in your life, but this was just a, a very clear example I could give you recently from me. And that's why I went with it. But the trick for me here was, was really just switching it up. And it was honestly understanding and asking myself, okay, what was the deal? What, why am I not stoked to go ride my trail bike? So that leads me to the first step in curing burnout, which is accountability. Now you want to be clear, am I overtrained or is this burnout uh, and what could be causing it? You know, is it the physical, is it diet and sleep and actual overtraining slash under recovering? Uh, or is it just this mental side where maybe I need to switch it up and just try something new and get out of my normal routine to get excited about something. So ask yourself, which of those things would it probably be? Step number two is service. Now this seems a little bit random, but it's about doing something for someone else and taking the spotlight off of yourself. In fact, shout out to Dodd fan member and a close friend, Chaz Halbert, who had just brought this up. We both went to the same church service that was talking all about this. And it was funny because he said, yo, were you at church this week? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, how about this and that from the sermon? And I honestly told him, I was like, Chaz, you're going to kill me, dude. I was so checked out during that church service that I don't even remember what the pastor was talking about. And I had told my wife after that service in particular, because I've actually really enjoyed being engrossed in the conversation and, and taking it in. And just for whatever reason this weekend, I wasn't. So he gave me a rundown on what I was actually listening to. And it was really all about this idea of just putting the focus on someone else. How can you serve someone and have it be completely, it could be so random, but I really believe that that shift in attention is going to not only improve someone else's life, which is going to make you feel good, but it's going to take your eye off of your own problem. And if this is a mental burnout issue, I think that the fulfillment you'll feel from that will be a very positive effect on it, but it'll also help you a little bit forget about what you're going through. And to follow up my trail riding burnout, even though I said I'm, I'm getting the fire back for it, what I've really decided to do and in line with this step number two, which is service, is to do more group rides and things for the community. You know, I've been very held up in the past in regards to doing those things because I just want to go hammer and I selfishly want to go have this super hard ride and have it be all about my riding. And that's not a bad thing. Like I still do that the majority of the time, but I really want to like serve the community through dialed health, through our product, uh, through the love of bike riding. And I think that's a very obvious way for me to do it. Uh, you know, there are even times you guys, I'll be real, where even when I do things for the business and like the real end goal is to build up the business, but it's also to, to do it through serving people and helping them through this fitness journey. And there's times when I'm answering an email even or a, a DM or something. And even if I at that time want to be done with quote unquote work, I have to flip the script and be like, dude, I'm really helping this person. And that is like a crazy boost of motivation to help me get the job done. So, I mean, yes, I know there's a bottom line. <laughs> I know it's serving the business in a positive way, but to stay motivated, I will do that to myself sometimes. So uh, accountability, address what's going on, service, find a way to give back can take the spotlight off of your own issues. And then we have the gratitude piece come in. So you have to create the habit of gratitude for the big and the little things. Now, it was really funny on a podcast this morning, I was listening to someone talk about how gratitude actually helped them avoid getting out of their comfort zone and it helped them avoid taking steps necessary to, to achieve what they want. Because at the end of the day, they always told themselves, oh, well, I'm grateful for the way things are. It's not so bad. And so you don't want this to go so far that you, you don't take action on it. Because I think that she had made a great point, but you do want to 
stop and think, okay, I'm really down on myself right now and feeling burnt out. I don't feel like there's hope. Well, I do need to find hope in something and I need to stop and be grateful for the certain things and certain possibilities that can come in the future if I keep this mindset because your mindset is everything and it will come out in your actions. So one thing I do each morning is set a timer for three minutes on my phone. And this is after I do my Bible study and it's before I carry on with my day and go take some bottles into my screaming babies. I do, I literally set that timer three minutes and I sit there and I just think of things I'm grateful for. That's it. I think happy thoughts. Like it's as simple as that. And it is an absolute game changer just to remind you of the blessings that are happening in your life. Even the ones that you don't think about throughout the day, whether it's, you know, your vision or your legs working or the fact that you have a sport that you love like bike riding or that you have the ability to go train your body and be the healthiest version of yourself. Like you have that as an option to you. And the fourth one is movement. Let your body work for you, you guys. You have these beautiful things called endorphins and dopamine that are gonna hit your brain once you do a physical activity and then complete it and give you natural energy and just the feeling of satisfaction. So go do something physical and try and switch it up. Do something different. Just like I got on a cross-country bike and found a whole new love for mountain biking, you can make a small tweak to something that you're doing physically so that it becomes a little bit unpredictable. I think that's what you have to shake up a little bit is the feeling of knowing like, well, I don't, I already know what I'm going to get out of that. So I might as well not do it. You have to be a little bit excited, you know, and this could be also planning something in the future, like a, a different style of racing that you have to go and train for. This could be signing up for dialed health and trying to complete a program or sticking to food tracking for 30 days and seeing if you can hit your body fat goals. Do something a little bit different physically to get your body working for you. Now, it's a real bonus if it supports your overall current goals. I wouldn't go so crazy that you just turn into this completely different person. Uh, and that's why I kind of bring it back to the physicality, because if it can improve your general health and well-being, I think it's going to be a pretty positive thing. Even if it is a different sport, even if you're going to go run for a, a month or sign up for a triathlon, and it's not exactly maybe the style of biking that you do currently, it could be enough to keep things fresh. And I'll tell you from experience, that is very, very valuable, especially when maybe you go through it and decide, oh, kind of liked what I was doing. I'm excited, for instance, to get back on the trail bike. And you haven't lost fitness really. You haven't really, you know, lost it. Like you can pick up where you left off and maybe even in a better spot than you were. And I want to point out these four steps, accountability, service, gratitude, and movement are the brand values for dialed health. This is all in support of the motto of start moving forward. And that's why I wanted to use these for the cure of burnout, because you have to wake up every single day and truly make the decision to start over again toward your goals, because every day is going to give you a new reason not to do it. So wake up, commit to your goals, start moving forward and focus on accountability, service, gratitude, and movement. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Dialed Health Show. If you're enjoying it, please make sure you are subscribed. Send this episode to a friend and tell them to subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on and share it on your social media. We don't do any paid advertising for the podcast, so this makes a huge difference. Screenshot that you're listening to the episode, put it on your Instagram story, and make sure you tag Dialed Health. I'll do my best to repost it. Now, without a doubt, the biggest thing you can do to support Dialed Health is to go get a membership at dialedhealth.com. I encourage you to use the programs and get the results that they are intended for. But like I said, this helps us not only continue to develop the product and make it better for the members, but it also helps us 
pay for the editing of this podcast and other pieces of content that we put out for free with Dialed Health. So I really appreciate your guys' support and look forward to seeing you next Monday. Start moving forward. Have a great week.